So it's my great pleasure to have with me down the phone my fellow GP, Dr. Wendy Burton. So Wendy, could you please um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Certainly. So I'm Wendy Burton. I'm a GP here in Brisbane, Australia. I'm the chair of the Antenatal Postnatal Specific Interest Group for the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners. I have been a member of the steering committee for Queensland Statewide Maternity and Neonatal Clinical Network. I am the maternity lead for the Brisbane South Primary Health Network, but first and foremost, I'm a GP who's passionate about the care of uh, women in their maternity journeys and uh, wanting to improve outcomes for women and their children. Thanks, Wendy. So I wonder if you could start by letting me know what your life is like at the moment with the looming COVID-19 pandemic. Well, it's been a flurry of activity and uh, reduced hours of sleep as my brain has worked overtime to connect with my colleagues and try to know what it is that is coming at us and how best we can prepare. So we've restructured our practice very rapidly. Uh, the waiting room looks different. Uh, we're protecting our reception staff with perspex screens. We've moved the furniture in our consulting rooms. I have stripped back Everything that's not necessary, everything needs to be able to be wiped over. My hands are dry and hurting because I'm washing them yeah. so much. That's now a KPI for me at the end of each day. If they're not dry and hurting, I haven't washed them enough. Um, and I have learnt to do a telehealth con consultation. Um, so it's been a very steep learning curve. Uh, I now wear scrubs to work. My rings are off. My watch is off. My hair is up. I'm wearing a mask. But Pam, I'm pleased to say that, that this has sort of been like a, a dress rehearsal when the risk to me personally was low. And I'm feeling that now as that risk increases, as our caseload increases, you know, I'm feeling that, that kind of our practice is kind of, we're match fit. I think, I think we're, well, I don't know that we'll ever be ready for what's coming mm. at us, but, mm. but we've rehearsed. Yeah? yeah, we've rehearsed. We yeah. know the drills. We, we've done it. And, and I think we're, that makes us, safer for ourselves, uh, for uh, the, the folks who work with us and for us, and of course, uh, really importantly, for the people we're looking after, so for our waiting room yes, and yes. our patients. Absolutely. So, Wendy, let's focus our attention now, if we could, on firstly, your antenatal patients. Could you give me a sense of what the risks are looking like for our pregnant ladies? And then just let me know what you're doing in your practice to pivot in the way you offer antenatal care. Absolutely. So I think first and foremost, the thing that's very reassuring is that pregnant women are at no greater risk from COVID-19 than the rest of the population. And this is important because uh, in pregnancy, infections such as influenza and chickenpox hit and particularly hit the lung complications much more aggressively in pregnant women than they do in non-pregnant women. However, that's not really reassuring because that means that should a pregnant woman become infected, she carries with it the risk of hospitalisation, uh, intensive care uh, requirements and, of course, even, even death. Um, and if she is very sick or, of course, um, please not, should she die, then that puts her baby uh, at risk. And so it's very important. Pregnant women fall into a vulnerable 
persons category, so along with our elderly and along with people with diabetes and high blood pressure and, and such, this is a group we need to be proactively protecting uh, because the impact uh, should a, a woman who's pregnant uh, become infected is multiplied by the, the baby or babies that she is carrying. Mm, yes. And so what have you done and what would you recommend generally that um, GPs, our colleagues there on the front line, do in terms of um, caring for our pregnant ladies? Well, Pam, I'm so glad you asked uh, and I'm so glad you asked me this week, not last week, because I have literally been working furiously on crystallising my own thoughts, uh, running my logic past uh, colleagues, both a midwifery, uh, obstetric, GP obstetrics and general general practice uh, to try to get a, a feel for how might this work. And the long story short is I think we need to pivot very quickly and this is also about our being match ready, so getting this sorted out while the risks are lower because there's not so much of it about, um, to basically doing all bar three appointments for the entire pregnancy via telehealth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is, would that look like? Wendy? Okay. So what that would look like is that appointments that are very specifically targeted. So, so the schedule itself will continue, but we'll be doing that by telephone or by video. So still having the conversations, still doing the education, still working on the relationship and, and trying to understand uh, a woman's needs and such. Um, but then very much looking to, to think what is essential, what is essential and what cannot be done remotely. So we are looking to do blood pressure checks but, but hoping that women will be able to borrow a Cigna mammometer or perhaps purchase their own. Myself personally, I have purchased six to, to um, lend to women who may not have or be able to afford to, to purchase one. Um, looking to do um, a home weight assessments and there's some online tools women can use to, to track their weight. Uh, looking to get women to fill in uh, questionnaires online so that we can uh, and look to the resources, uh, Pam. I'm so yep. fortunate, as you know, uh, with my Maternity Matters website. Yes. There's a whole lot of resources that I have already collated over the last two or three years. Yeah. That then means that we're positioned and, and anybody's welcome to use them. It's not a commercial website. And so what's that URL? On. What's that URL, Wendy? So it's www.maternity-matters. Dot com dot au. Yep. Um, so, uh, so looking to lead her into that, that space and, and use those tools and communicating with the woman by a mix of uh, getting her to do some uh, email, her, her um, results, her, her blood pressures and her weight um, or take a screenshot if she's using an online weight tracker. Uh, I've also got a pregnant colleague, bless her, to um, film what it looks like to try to do your abdominal palpation yep. and, and, yep. and assess your, your fundal height. Mm -hmm. And Pam, I'm reverting to um, find that firm mark, uh, get a pen to draw across it and yep. show me how many finger breaths that, that represents. Mm -hmm. And I've got one with the woman doing it solo and one with a partner. And, and look, there's no science to that at all, really except that it will give me over time some sense that the fundal height is increasing. 
And I think it's also important because it, it, you know, it connects the woman and myself and her partner to, to that hands-on tummy's experience and to that appreciation of the life that is growing inside of her. Yes. And, and I, just, I just feel that to abandon that is to abandon something that I personally believe is core to, to assessment. So for whatever it's worth, time will tell. But I'd like to encourage women to try to get a sense of, yes, my tummy is, you know, my, my the bundle height is, is growing. If that's a bridge too far, then just decide on photograph um, and we will see the shape uh, that she is taking. Yeah. Um, and then telehealth and remotely sending referrals, um, uh, making sure that I'm copying in the antenatal clinic uh, on those results. The face-to-face, so one face-to-face with the preferably the first visit because that'll be the height, uh, the blood pressure, uh, the weight. So we calculate that BMI and an influenza vaccine. So yeah. that's first cab off the ranks. Uh, then uh, the second face-to-face at the 28-week mark for pertussis, um, for uh, domestic violence. Oh, and I should have mentioned domestic violence screening at that first one. That's going to be so important. Yes. Uh, domestic violence and mental yes. health screening so important at this time and of course that may not be able to be safely done via telehealth um at the 28 week mark looking to yes so pertussis blood pressure weight fungal height fetal heart um but educating about movements and educating about side sleeping and, and all that via telehealth and utilizing the existing online resources um and then the next face-to-face will actually be at the hospital um yeah. so the hospital is going to be doing uh, a face-to-face between 34 and 37 weeks. Uh, now, it'll vary from facility to facility. So this is just what Marta Mother's Hospital and, and myself have, have agreed to. Uh, and they've worked very collaboratively uh, with me. And uh, so I've, I feel that both sides have, have heard the other. Yeah. Um, there are some other differences, Pam. I'm, although a lot of GPs will order a, a routine dating scan, not all do, but I think this time we should, um, so that we're very clear about the end point. Um, and um, gestational diabetes screening, Queensland Health has changed the recommendation just at the moment for this time, and then we'll see. Marta have agreed to the change, and here it is. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. So for all women who fall into a higher risk category, therefore we will be doing um, just diabetes screening in first trimester, Hemoglobin A1C. Yeah. For women who are not already known to be positive, so we're testing them at the you know, 28, 26, 28 week mark, fasting BSL. If that fasting BSL is 5.1 or above, it's a GDM pathway that they're to go down. If their BSL, fasting BSL is, um, and this is, this is not finger prick, this is Venus, yeah. uh, is, is 4.6 or less. Then only five percent of women who fall into that category would have a positive glucose tolerance test, and we're mm-hmm. not going to test for it. Mm-hmm. We're just going to let that go through to the keeper. We're going to save the cash, and we're going to stop those women having two hours of hanging around a pathology laboratory, absolutely, or you know, pathology collection um, place. And therefore, it's only those women whose BSL uh, is between. 4.6 and 5.1, so 4.7, 4.8, 4.9, 5.0, those women and only those women will have a oral glucose tolerance test at this time. 
Right. Okay. That's that's really good to hear your mm. recommendation, mm. Deb. So, so I don't know what will happen around the nation, uh, but that's a Queensland-wide approach. Mm. Okay, that's important. Effective to as know. of this week. Okay, mm. fantastic. Okay. Yep. So. 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 Um, so then. Uh, so telehealth will continue, and of course, always in pregnancy, you you always adjust the schedule to fit the needs of the woman. We will also have to be mindful of our own capacity. So depending upon how effective our strategies of staying at home are, um, but we'll we'll just have to see. We certainly want to try to avoid uh, women becoming very sick, especially uh, before um, they reach term gestation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, because and then excuse me, um, Wendy, because it seems from the data coming out of China that there may be, it was unclear whether the births were brought forward for women who had tested positive for COVID nineteen simply because of concerns for the well being of the pre- if if her pregnancy was yeah. to proceed, um, or whether in fact the birth was truly premature, but. But at yeah. least on the surface of it, that data seems to be suggesting a link with premature birth. Is that right? Is that uh, how you've yes. understood it? That's how I've understood it. And, mm. and there is a little bit of confusion. Quite frankly, we do not have enough clear data. Uh, but there are concerns that uh, that she – well, there's several things. One, a fever first trimester. There's debate. Is, is that um, going to create some issues? Two, uh, might the infection itself trigger a premature labour? Three, might there be iatrogenic uh, premature um, cesarean as we, we uh, try to save uh, baby if mum is, is in extremis, uh, but also to take the pressure off mum so that we can do full respiratory um, assist. Ventilation, uh, yeah. Yeah, ventilation and such. So so there's several layers there where prematurity may be as a result of, of the COVID-19 infection. So it, it sounds so simple to say, oh, they're not at any higher risk, but actually the complication rate for women who are pregnant mm. w- is quite a different scenario. Mm. Mm. Okay, thank you. Could I ask you firstly to just let us know what you've changed in the setup of your practice? Uh, specifically for maternity or specifically for um, antenatal care yeah so, so basically it's going to be the the intense pivot to, to uh, telehealth and then the short sharp focused um, uh, physical examination so less than 15 minutes for face-to-face so really important that we've got good telehealth before and after um, so that women will feel well not how do we manage that time Pam you know how do we how do we but but I I mean I'm quite confident that I can you know as a junior doctor you and I would have seen you know quick rush through antenatal clinics you know blood pressure abdominal palsy the heart now to go check the you know check edema. this is nothing we haven't done before it's just we haven't done it for such a long time and it goes against the grain we're both slow medicine Mm, um, that's true. So you know, so, but but but, yeah. but I think we can we can pad it with the before and if necessary the after. Pam, listen, I don't know. I have asked the MBS Integrity Branch. I've asked them, can we can we do a telehealth and a face to face on the same day? Yeah. Uh, but and I think that that is so, so obviously if you're telehealthing somebody in the morning and oh my gosh, no, I am going to need to examine this patient and you see them in the afternoon because they're unwell. I think that's different from organising 
telehealth the first part and then face-to-face and they might consider that inappropriate. So then do we telehealth the day before and then face-to-face the next day? I think that's probably safer from a compliance perspective, but, mm. you know, I really wish they'd just let us know. But, not, yeah, it's not necessarily uh, safer for our patients because if, if someone was to contract COVID-19, then overnight things could have changed and there may be the fevers and the symptoms the next day. Oh, oh absolutely. Oh, yes. So, so, yeah. so every woman needs to be checked every day, yeah. uh, you know, prior to, prior to be seen. Uh, and, and I make that clear in one of my documents that, yeah. that um, you must keep yourself safe, your practice safe, uh, because that's the only way that we'll keep our patients safe. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so all women, everyone, everyone's to be screened. Uh, we're only seeing sick people if we've said we need to see sick people. Uh, and not all of us will be seeing sick people. So some people, you know, will retreat to 100% telehealth and some must for their own health um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Wendy, I thought you had an interesting idea that you'd shared with me earlier about a maternity hub. Of course, yeah. I- I'm oh, yeah. interested in this, the concept of a maternity hub or a, a mother-baby mm-hmm. hub. Could you just speak to that, how you saw that sure. might work? So, so what I have suggested uh, is that general practices that have the capacity and the interest um, Formal volunteer to become a maternity hub, and the idea with that is that they would themselves look after the the, preg- the low risk pregnant women in their own practice, so uh, take on you know a, a greater load individually, but also if they had capacity, perhaps volunteer that if there are women in the suburbs, their suburbs or the surrounding suburb, whose GPs are, are not able to perform that role, uh, that they might take on some of those women. Uh, and then I think very important that we structure this well. So that these women would need to come if they need their face-to-face appointment or when they need their face-to-face appointment. They're coming in at a time of day where there are no sick people in the waiting room, where uh, it's preferably just after the cleaners have been, where it's a short, sharp, focused face-to-face where we're doing blood pressure, weight, bundle height, fetal heart, uh, urinalysis, so doing a, a urinalysis at that 28-week appointment, just routine because we're not doing our usual regular checks. Um, and then, and then, you know, it's 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 out the, out the door. But but we've had the conversation before, and if something seems amiss, we can have the conversation after. So so does she? Mm. Can she sit in a different room? Can she sit in her car? Does she go home? How do we? You know, how do we? We do this, um, yeah. but I think that we, you know, we can. We're we're, we're innovating at a, a rapid pace, and I think the technology allows us to do so much more. And frankly, it's probably going to be better than sitting waiting in our waiting room with you know people coughing and, and well, even at the best stuff. of times, that's right. Ab- that's right. Absolutely. That's right. but it will be very important when we do these face to face examinations that she's that she's well, uh, that she doesn't come in with you know, lots of other people, so one only other person or preferably by herself, especially because we will be needing to do the domestic violence screening in those very few face-to-face appointments um, where it's at all possible to not bring children uh, with you because, as we all know, they're just very efficient at at transferring germs and we've just got to be so careful of all of our surfaces. Um, So I think that where we are able to create that little group um, of common interest with the GPs and then look after women, understand the process, bed down how we do this, um, I think that that will be 
useful uh, for our the women in our own practice, but perhaps for the women in our community. Now, in terms of the the broader antenatal education, um, because we're we're in the context of the pandemic, needing to to pivot towards certainly in the face to face context these very focused consultations. I imagine that we will increasingly need to be directing women to online resources in terms of antenatal education, so preparation for the birth, but indeed preparation for the baby, bringing that baby home. And mm. I'd just like to, to mention there that um, at possumsonline.com, we have access to the PIPs peer support groups and uh, these are all online now and accompanied by very rich video resource, including a two-hour When Baby Comes Home session by our lovely Renee Keogh, Renee's lactation consultant, a founding NDC-accredited practitioner. And this is uh, opportunity for parents to start to prepare to orient themselves really to you know the the issues that can arise in very early life with with that newborn so thanks very much wendy for such a, a, a an important conversation about how as health professionals as gps caring for pregnant women we might begin to pivot towards uh, safe care in these extraordinary times Listen, Pam, thank you. That's such a valuable point, and I'm really glad you've, you've mentioned it. Uh, indeed, face-to-face antenatal education, again, creates an at-risk environment. And in fact, under government legislation where, you know, no more than two people gathering, well, we simply can't be doing antenatal education the way we traditionally have. That's right. So online resources will be critical. A number of hospitals already have them, but many don't. Fortunately, there are some private providers uh, and I absolutely encourage uh, GPs who are providing care to get up to speed quickly with who's who and and what's out there and what's good. Uh, Certainly, I I recommend your own website. There's a tremendous number of very valuable resources that are available there. Uh, And also on my maternity matters, there's a link to another, which um, which I've, I've highly recommend but check with your local service to see what they are providing to women but this is critical we i don't believe we will have the time to have in-depth discussions and antenatal education is just so valuable well thanks for listening it's been great to have your company and remember to check out the non-profit website possumsonline.com for lots of free resources and programs and the publications that form the evidence base to neuroprotective developmental care or the possums programs as together we grow joy in early life i hope you tune in again soon bye for now